fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Damien. I'm joined by Manny and Justin. A lot of soccer and football happened this weekend. So we are going to be talking about the Euros and also giving our tournament wrap-ups, like our first 11, and also uh, some nods and some, um, you know, thumbs down to certain players in the tournament. Also, in uh, the Southern Hemisphere of America, um, of South America, um, we have the Copa America, and we are going to obviously be talking about the Argentina and Brazil game, uh, but there's only one place to start, and that's in the Euros. We saw England uh, scoring with Luxo after like two minutes, and Justin, I want to get your thoughts about what you felt, England fans especially, uh, felt at that moment when Luke Shaw scored the, the goal in the second minute. I didn't think it was going to be a route, but I did think that it was coming home at that moment, if I'm honest. It, it was a great goal, first of all. It was it was a great goal, the way Shaw like smashed it into the in, uh, near post, off the cross, like full field, like, you know, from uh, right side to left side. Shaw doesn't even score that often, but, you know, he, he made a count when he finally did. And I thought it was like, you know, going to be a capper for a great tournament for him. It was going to be basically, you know, the headlines writing themselves. It's coming home. Confetti everywhere. English fans um, celebrating the streets. And I was actually watching the match with in England, um, one of my friends who is from England. And uh, I think perhaps he even for a moment allowed himself to to think that it was actually going to happen finally after all these years after all this heartbreak finally it's going to happen but um as far as it being a route you know the, we've seen how this england team has played all tournament long uh, especially when they get ahead they kind of withdraw they play very defensive they kind of turn into their shells they don't play a particularly attractive football and lo and behold that is what happened i just never anticipated it happening to the extent that it did <laughs> you know where there's just absolutely no attacking momentum whatsoever basically from that point onwards but um yeah that that was my initial reaction i'm interested to know manny who picked italy to win this match um whether manny you 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 had second thoughts about italy's chances after that goal came in in the second minute nope Nope, never a doubt in my mind. Oh, it's just, sure. It's just funny okay. to say that now. Ne- never a doubt in my mind. No, I'm, be- I'm being honest. Um, I, I, I think that when, when it happens, it was one of those things that, like, we saw it happen so quickly. The game got off to a very frantic pace. There was a mistake in the back line by Harry Maguire that led to a corner kick, uh, like 30 seconds into the game. Uh, so you knew it was going to, they were both nervous. Um, but you got to remember that Italy is comprised like the cornerstone of that team. And we talked about it since the beginning of the tournament was the back line, the experience that Chiellini, Bonucci have. And tactically, you know, the way that they played, they played, they were the only team that actually played like a, like a club team. Like they've been playing. I mean, it's no coincidence that they're now on a 34 game unbeaten run um so to me i thought it was good for england but as soon as i saw they started dropping off the more the game went on they just kept getting pinned back further and further it was only a matter of time before you know, uh italy scored or, or tied it and credit to mancini 
who actually went ahead and made some pretty bold substitutions in the game. Like, for example, going to a false nine, like pulling his striker, Immobile, who we know had an up-and-down tournament. Um, and that seemed to work. That's when the goal came in. So, um, like I said, Italy was going to win. Uh, it was not going to come home. And But I do have a surprise later on in the... Uh, in the predictions that we're going to go through uh, about England. So all hope may not be lost if you're an English yeah. fan. Yeah. 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 doesn't feel like that this morning or all day today. It's not going to, it's all hope will be lost for the foreseeable future. If you're an England fan, I'm sure. But uh, that's good to hear Manny that you have a bright spot potentially. So I, I, I do want to give one thought real quick. And I think this is where we kind of delving into uh, essentially a tactic of Southgate, um, this notion of, hey, you know what, I've scored a goal and that's all I need. And frankly, I think, I mean, I, I don't know the stat off the, off the top of my head, but I, I'm willing to bet you that England probably has the least goal conceded in the tournament, um, maybe the second least, uh, because they, they, they did it so well for the first six games. They, it was hard for them, for people to break them down. And to be honest, I thought they were going to keep that lead till the end, and it was just going to be 1-0. But I think, obviously, like there was persistence from Italy. Uh, it, they showed that, hey, they really wanted to win this. And I think that was the mistake of Southgate, right? And, and, but it's hard because, you know, it's worked for the first six games, and, right, like, you expect it to work again. But so I want to kind of delve into South, Southgate's ta- tactic. And, and why is it that some coaches, and I think, a very good example is someone like Mourinho, right? Uh, this is the way Mourinho ha- won a lot of his his trophies, where he, you know, he 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 scores and then he parks the bus for lack of better terms. So why is it that this one is? Why is this the? Why is this the the fact that like teams that basically play behind the ball are the ones that usually end up winning? And why didn't this work for England? Uh, Manny, I would love to, or sorry, Justin, I would love to hear your thoughts about that. If you if you have any thoughts about why why you think maybe even after all that that Southgate has been through in terms of like you know it's been close sometimes and this is the final, why would he want to sit back on a one zero lead? Yeah, so um to the, to address something that you just said though, yeah, I, I think that that is a trend that we see in international football for a lot of national teams is you only get limited time with your, with your squads, right? Uh, each manager does, and it's much easier to drill a defensive structure and then rely on your offensive players, especially if you're a, a, a good nation, which, uh, you know, indisputably England has a lot of talent on their squad. Um, it's much easier to drill a defensive structure and then kind of just let your offensive players just, be creative, just go forward and do something because you're not going to have much time to drill like, you know, a full um, set of tactics, you know, transition play, have all that, you know, squared away with players who play on all these different teams and come together just a few weeks out of every year to really get on the same page together. However, what Manny said, I want to bring that back. One nation during this tournament did look like they had both the offensive and defensive tactics, transition play, um, squad positioning, all that stuff was figured Ballon out. Ballon Dior candidate. <laughs> I don't know about that, but 
we will say that uh, Mancini, what Mancini did with Italy was make them look like a club side. They had like the whole thing. They had it all figured out. It's kind of like reminiscent perhaps of like the Spain squads uh, a la 2010 World Cup, you know, where they, they look like one cohesive unit, both offensively and defensively. So Southgate definitely did. You know, England conceded two goals all tournament long. Southgate had a philosophy. It was defense first, defense only <laughs> in some cases. And it was successful for England conceding only two goals all tournament long. But then they came up against Italy and um, it bit them. It bit them when they sat back way too early into the game and let Italy just come at them in waves. Manny, uh, question question for you. So we we see that England played the same way, essentially, you know, the first six games. Would he have like if that was you? I, you know, I know we, you know, I, I'm not trying to give give Southgate, uh, you know, any credit here, but because I think he's really the reason why they why they lost. But also, we can't take away from the fact that he also put them to that state, to that uh, position of being in the final. But as a coach, do you think it made sense to just continue the way you're playing, or you change the tactics because it's kind of a hard time? to change your tactic because it's the final, right? Yeah. Um, in the words of the great Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's exactly what happened to England. <laughs> um, Justin hit the nail on the head. They scored early. And rather than just keep their foot on the gas pedal and try to double the score, they got comfortable and st- tried to defend the lead. They tried to play for that one nil uh, advantage. And like I said, credit to Mancini who went ahead and made some really bold uh, substitutions in that game uh, that ended up changing the course of the game. But for me, Southgate, it's the final you couldn't get. I don't think that, that, that team, that lineup was the right lineup for the final. Um, Again, we had said that they had only scored two or They had only conceded two goals in the entire tournament, but it's the final. You're at home. You're, I mean, the the house is packed. You have literally royalty, British royalty in the stands watching you, and you roll out, you know, that lineup. Come on, like, at least take a a, a gamble, take a chance. And even when, when you saw that the momentum was changing, like we've talked about football as a game of momentum, you could see literally halfway through the the first half they were starting to lose grip they couldn't control the tempo anymore of the game and they were just losing the ball what he should have done is he should have taken out someone in the midfield like rice and brought on a more creative player uh like Grealish, like sanchez whoever he wanted to at that point and maybe drop mount from the wing role that he was essentially in and dropped him as like that 10, that number 10, you know, have a little more presence in the midfield, uh, have bring in some players that can create because uh, he, I think he did everything wrong. Like you're, you're right, Bory, in the sense that he got England thus far on those tactics. But if you think about how England won each game, did they really deserve to get that far? I mean, you started seeing little cracks here and there, little holes in their system every game that they played, especially in that Denmark game, that they were so fortunate to get out of. They played ugly. I mean, that's like, they played ugly 
by intent, seemingly. We talked about how like laborious and oh, as a viewer, it was almost exhausting watching them play sometimes, like the way they were trying to move the ball forward or not. <laughs> As the case may have been from game to game. I don't know. I personally thought that the way that they lined up at the start of the game, uh, it was fine. You know, it, it obviously worked for the first goal and for at least half the first half. So a quarter of the game, they looked to be have the situation handled. Um, probably at halftime, I kind of agree with you, Manny. That's like when you need to start thinking maybe we need to make a shift because we're losing our momentum. Um, personally, yeah, I would, probably would have. I think eventually Trippier did come out that that probably was the move to go to a f- four at the back eventually. Um, but Bori, what did you think? Did you think the lineup from the outset was wrong? Do you think Southgate got it wrong top to bottom this whole match? Or do you think it was just at, like as the game matured and Italy started to assert their dominance, uh, particularly through Chiesa, who I want to talk about? But as that threat built for Italy, do you think that's when Southgate kind of lost the plot? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the moments that the momentum swung mostly to Italy, especially in the beginning of the second half when they, you know, it seemed like it was all Italy. Um, I think that's when Southgate should have put in attacking uh, players to kind of distract them and, and pin them back. Um, obviously, it's easier said than done. I, I also think, in a sense, if he's played this other way this whole time and it worked. He probably thought, you know, why change it? And it's a final. Um, speaking about Chiesa real quick, though, um, I don't know if you all noticed when Chiesa switched flanks when Berardi came in, he actually was not playing that well. And I wonder why that is. Um, and that's because the original, the best right back in England, Kyle Walker. No, he's just the fastest. Uh, I think Kyle Walker really matched him when he comes. No, I, I actually, this is not a joke because... Um, I thought I thought that was also a weird thing that Mancini did, where he looked so clearly was struggling against Chiesa, and looked sh- I, he should have kept Chiesa that that flank. But I understand Berardi likes has to play on the right because he's a left footer. Um, but the moment Chiesa went to the other side, Kai Walker was like basically had him in his pockets. It was it was actually incredible. He had him in pace. He had him in. Uh, strength and Kiesa was nowhere to be found and then he eventually got subbed out but I mean obviously what a talent Kiesa was um but let's swing it to Italy real quick I mean kudos to them right for for keep 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 keeping the faith on and I think oh yeah honestly it was easy for them to keep on the faith because they felt like well we have most of the ball and we can just keep going forward right so kudos to Mancini right for for making those changes Justin yeah 100 percent he's we know, you know we're going to hand out some awards at the end of this section when we talk about Euros. Uh, we don't have one for manager of the tournament, but it's clearly Mancini, I think. he, Like I said, you rarely do you see a national side play so cohesively and have a plan chasing the game uh, when the game is tied. You know, earlier in the tournament when they were winning go- games like 3 nothing, like they had a strategy and a game plan and the personnel – uh, correctly selected for each of those situations and phases of play. So, uh, yeah, lots of credit to Mancini, lots of credit to the whole Italy squad. Right. All right. So, uh, going to paint this picture. Italy scored. It was 1-1, and then England were like, oh, snap. It still felt that that was a time, right, to bring in attacking players. 
right? I mean, as a coach, you have to bring in attacking players at that point. I mean, he did bring Saka in, but when you have players like Grealish and, and Sancho, you, you have to bring somebody else, right, Manny? Like, you have to, you can't bring in Saka. No offense to you, Justin. I'm not saying this to be no, no. funny. But... Of all the attacking players, of all the attacking options, Saka is the most conservative, right? He, he's he's a box-to-box winger. He play He has played as a left back before. You know, so like out of all the winger options you could have brought on, um, it, Saka was the most conservative choice. I mean, conservative in the sense of least attacking option. Right. All right. Well, let's 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 move that up to to what happened then towards the end, which is the the the, the penalty, right? Um, I think this is where a lot of the controversy started in this game because I mean we could talk about tactics all day long. That's that's his tactics that he was using all season long, all all tournament long. So many. I want to get this picture from you. Um, as, a, as a coach, first of all, I, I think it's very surprising that the coach, it seemed like, and we don't know the full picture, but it seemed like Southgate had the list of people already to play the penalty. Whereas normally, isn't it like the players say, hey, you know what, I'm good to take the penalty based on how they're feeling at that time? So I've, I've, it's funny you say that because I actually have been reading up on how these things take place. How you know what if there's like a specific protocol for PKs, if it's the players, if it's the coach, and it's actually a combination of both. Um, in Italy's case, for example, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, there was an article that mentioned how superstitious he is, how he likes to. Um, if it's worked the first time, he won't change it. It'll, it, it's going to be the same way. And their PK takers were all in the same order, uh, except for the first one, um, uh, that they had against Spain. So all the PK takers were the exact same order, except for the first one, which I believe was Locatelli in the Spain game. But Locatelli actually ended up missing it. And he just switched that up with Berardi for the first one. So he kept it the same. For England, um, the fact that they had a mixture of young uh, players and experienced players, the one thing that I want to say is whether or not, like, we don't, we won't know the full story of of like what really happened. I think there's gonna still be reports out there of like, you know, who said this, who did what. Um, at the end of the day, although I think it's the coaches decision whether it's a player going up to the coach and saying like i think i'm going to take it it's the coach that signs off on it right and the fact that he ended up and we mentioned this the pk takers were in descending order of like age i i don't think that's right because (laughs) i i understand obviously we know right like the the longer the shootout goes the more pressure there is on the next pk taker and so on and so forth so for a 19-year-old kid, the you know I, I you know one of the youngest uh, players on the squad, one of the most inexperienced players, to be the last one to take the PK and be put in that position should have been just a no from the get-go. I don't care how good Saka is. I don't know what his record is, and you know from the from the penalty spot, but you 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 don't put a player that young, that inexperienced in that position, especially not at home. Like we said, in that environment, um, when yeah, there were can... plenty of seasoned players and most notable, very important players to their clubs, 
like Calvin Phillips is for Leeds, uh, like Jack Grealish is for Aston Villa. You know, there were a lot of players that are like the quote unquote face of their clubs, club sides. Why not put one of them? You know, why why not? And then we saw these reports, like I saw Jack Grealish pretty much put out a, a, a tweet out there saying like, I said I wanted to take one, you know, but like, okay, it's one thing if you say like, yeah, I want to take one or I'm okay taking it, but actually like maybe fighting for it and seeing like, hey, it's either me or this kid. Like I'm, I'm already been down a similar, you know, this path I'm experienced here. Think about that. Maybe this also might be a silver lining in the long run because it exposed the ugly truth and the ugly side of, of sports, especially in a in a country like England, for example, where we've seen a campaign against racism. We've seen, you know, taking the knee, we've seen actions and we've seen the criticism. And on the other side of it, from pundits alike, you know, in different countries and the way that they view these actions that that, that athletes are are trying to demonstrate and get out the word and and say like, hey, we should focus on, you know, the ugly side of 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 the sport. And maybe this is unfortunate as unfortunate as it is and the events that we've seen in the last 24 hours, maybe this might be what's needed for to inspire some type of hope for change in in the footballing world. And not just like in football, but like in sports in general. Um it's sad that it had to come to this point, but hopefully it's not for for nothing. Um and the last thing I want to say is like he him going up there like all the players it it takes a lot of gall i'll say uh for lack of a better word to to actually step up and 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 do that especially because he knew that that was like a make or break moment you know like yeah you know rashford went up he missed it okay but then sancho could score and go on but when you know that you have to make it to to have any sort of chance that's a lot to take in. And it's sad because this kid is, he's very talented. You can see that he's one of the, I would say one of the, I don't want to say generational talent, but he certainly has the ability and you can tell that um, he's going to be around for, for a long time. And hopefully this doesn't diminish his stardom or his rise to fame in any way, shape or form. Justin, it looks like you wanted to say something. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I appreciate everything that Manny said. Obviously, uh, Bukayo Saka, Arsenal, prodigy, wonder kid. So you can imagine, I was, when I saw him walking up to take that fifth kick, I, like, was watching it, like, my, covering my face, like, through my fingers. I was like, why the fuck are you putting Saka in this position? And then we know what happened. And, yeah, Manny, you're saying you don't know what Saka's penalty-taking record is? Uh, he has zero misses from the spot, actually, um, and that's because he has taken zero spot kicks at the senior level. He never oh, had done God. this before, so one can only assume that he must be uh, – he's a wonder kid on the field. He must be a wonder kid on the training ground. I guess when they do their PKs, he must be doing backflips when he kicks his penalty kick because I have no idea why else you would be putting him in in that spot, in that high-pressure situation. Only Gareth Southgate knows, alleged, apparently. Um, so that that's what I had. I, I mean, like, so soccer going fifth is unforgivable to me. And injecting 
Rashford and um, Sancho onto the field with one minute to play and then having them go take spot kicks that literally like their first touches of the ball is going to be to pick up the ball and place it on the spot. Also unforgivable. And that's, you know, that's on well, Southgate. Like that, that, Rashford, that part. Rashford was playing right way back before. <laughs> yeah. I was, I wasn't even going to bring that, but yeah, Rashford came into play two minutes as a right back <laughs> covering, uh, yeah, like in the defense for with to withstand the next like you know last sixty seconds of the onslaught, and then he had to go in take a spot kick, and yeah, I, I, the whole thing is like unforgivable from a tactics standpoint. I don't understand it. You should try and win the game. Those two players should have come onto the field, definitely, but perhaps I don't know thirty minutes beforehand when they could actually like have impacted the the game before the penalty shootout even began. So that's unforgivable. But what is much worse, what Manny has pointed out is the atrocious reaction of the English fan base to what happened. Three young players, three potential, you know, long-term English national team players, uh, all very important to their club sides. Sancho and Rashford soon to be teammates. Sancho coming back to England in the near future. And the way the English fandom has treated them, particularly in the element of their race, is horrendous and unforgivable and like it's just it's so pathetic of some of these fans and so vile and i hope you know england has some hate speech laws i think you know that a little bit perhaps some um that are strict in some natures when it comes to what you can say online but uh if they can find any of these people who are saying these horrible things to these young like in Saka's case literally a teenager on their instagrams and their twitter if I hope that they, you know, we can expel these fans from from being able to watch these matches and like keep them away from the sport because it, it's and from society because they're just it's it's horrendous what's going on some of the abuse that these players are getting. Yeah, I can't imagine what they're going through. I mean, I don't know if that was me, I would be melting right now. So yeah, definitely not not an ideal state. And uh, England is the one country that has taken this situation very serious but you could probably see why they, they're taking it more serious because uh you know they have a lot of issues uh unfortunately so i hope the taking the knee actually continues and maybe they do even something more elaborate to really make it a stance that hey this is not going anywhere and this is very serious well, i hope we'll, we'll we'll see that in the epl uh, i think because of time uh we have to get to the tournament wrap up and just I think this will we need to start with our uh, top the top eleven of the tournament, um, and I think the formation we're going to use is a four three three. Uh, we could do a four four two if he has to fit our, you know, our arguments. Um, I think the way we're going to do this is we're going to go through each position and then call out who we think should be the the best in that position. Uh, so I think we have to start from the goalkeeping goalkeeping. Uh, and I think, I mean... Bori, I think you, you should have to say this one. Well... <laughs> so, Bori, who, who's the, who was so, the goalkeeper of the so tournament? So here's the thing, here's the thing. Here, here's, <laughs> here, here's what I'll say. I would say, I mean, I think everyone's probably of obvious choice is uh, Donnarumma. And I'm not going to say it's not him because... Well, first of all, I, I, I value more saves 
than than I, I think also saving penalties actually it's a big deal. It's literally what won Italy. So I think that's why I can't really say anything other than uh, Donnarumma. But I would say this: Jan Sommer had I think the highest oh, yeah. saves in the tournament or something. Some 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 the stuff. The highest like that. saves in the in a in a game in one game. Oh, in in one game. Yeah. Um, I think I think Jan Sommer also dragged Switzerland as long as he could. But but I think ultimately it has to be Donnarumma because of that reason of of hey you know he won I think twice right now right uh, two two penalties shootout so has to be him um, and it was it was saves not like well the Rashford one Rash that Rashford penalty was so I was so frustrated I was like he tried wow. to he tried to Jorginho it he tried to do a little hop skip and that jump was, and Donnarumma yeah, that didn't didn't move. Yeah. That should have been that would have been a nice goal too, and it was yeah he just anyway so let's let's start with the I think this is where we where we have a lot of differences and that's the center backs uh, I think we have to put one of the Italian giants in there right the either Bonucci or Chiellini in that in that position of one of the center back posi- positions I think we're obligated to I think Bonucci right it has to be Bonucci because Bonucci actually scored I'm well, choosing Bonucci he okay did. so I'm I'm choosing Bonucci but only because I'm Chiellini robbed Saka of perhaps he could have been like a hero. If you remember at the end of the final, right. Saka never quit. And like Chiellini was taking too long covering a ball at midfield. Saka ran right around him and took the ball away from him. And Chiellini literally had like grab him by like the scruff of his neck and pull him backwards and pick up a you know professional yellow card to save the game. A cynical yellow card, I should probably say, to, to save Italy from... Uh, a one-on-one between Saka and Donnarumma. So I, because of that, Chiellini is automatically off my list, and I choose Bonucci. I believe that's called wisdom in the world of football. It's it's yeah, it's a experience uh, begotten by decades at this point from Chiellini fighting um, uh, fighting players in his position. But no, I can't I can't give it to him. I'm 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 voting Bonucci. But boy, uh, what we're saying? I I know I'm going for Chiellini. I think he was more of a leader on that team. But I, I do see I, I do see the sentiment. I I do think Chiellini had more impact, in my opinion. Uh, obviously Bonucci played more games because well, at that he, moment he did. Right. Uh, but no, I think it's fine. I think yeah, I think Bonucci or Chiellini. I'm fine with either one. But I just think Chiellini had more of an impact. But I do understand that Bonucci probably uh, should probably have that. Um, what 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 are we thinking for the other center back position though? I'll go first. I'm gonna say it's uh, Akanji of Switzerland. You know the Swiss team sorry, is very impressive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm sorry. I'm gonna correct you. The Please way you do. pronounce his name because he's Nigerian and I have to call it out. And he's playing for Switzerland is Akonji. Okay, just want to call that out. But yeah, Akonji. Just yeah. call him Manuel. It's easier. Just call him by his first name. <laughs> Akonji. Uh, he's my pick. No, thanks for correcting me, Bori. And yeah, I think that he had a, a pretty impressive tournament. The Swiss squad, well, we have uh, some other awards to give out, but the Swiss squad, squad was very impressive to me in terms of the overperformance and their fight and their drive. Um, I also liked your call out, actually, for Jan Selmar as goalkeeper, Bori. But for me, he's he's the other center back. I think he should be paired with Banucci on the team at the tournament. No Kair from Denmark? That's who I went with, actually. I went with uh, with him not only for the way that he led the team, but also I, I don't think you can put a price on what he did um, during Ericsson's medical emergency and uh, being quick on his feet to first to react, um, you know, 
thinking about not only uh, Christian Eriksen, but his teammates, uh, Christian Eriksen's wife, and, uh, you know, the world as well. Um, like we said, and we've discussed, uh, there were reports that he was the one that was instrumental in making sure that there was a there was a shield that was built by the Danish players um, while Christian Eriksen was receiving treatment. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it really takes a leader um, to think on your feet that quickly in a, in a very tense um, and serious situation like that. So that's what I went with. Yeah. Some things are bigger than, than the football in the field. And in this case, I mean, Kyer both uh, in terms of his, how he, what he did for his team in that moment. And then what he did for his team in all the games subsequent to that. Um, and that's a good shout. So boy, you, you want to go on your, how, how many minutes do you need to talk about Kyer, your favorite I, I mean, defensive I, player? So he, Who does he, he play for? Who does he play for? Again? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So while you 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 both were talking about what he did on the field with with Christian Eriksen, I'm obviously tremendous. Like that that is number one. That's I I don't think that should really crowd out judgment when it comes to defense. I watched Kyer's uh, I follow his account on Twitter where they basically just post Kyer's like compilations of every game, and it's incredible how a somebody that old is able to do to move that that well i mean i guess we could say the same for kaylee um but but that that's what i think makes a good defender somebody that is able to be more effective and doesn't even need to run and he's always right there he dealt with lukaku when when they played denmark like did did a lot of things but let's let's move on to to the right back position i'm i'm also going for kaya obviously so i think kaya kaylee i think i'm oh, sorry kaya and bonucci i think yep. we're, we're set on center back uh let's talk about right back um, I want to hear people's thoughts about this one, actually. This is very more of an interesting one. Interesting. So, the, okay, I have to clarify something. Are we – so do the players yes. have to have yes. played – Yes, yes. The, what are you saying yes to? They have to have yes. played there during Euros? Exactly. Well, no, they have to have played that position. No, okay, fine. No, we can, we can, we can bend the rules. Yeah, we can put another defender that maybe play left back if you want. So, yes. So I asked you before we start recording, Bori, uh, my – the person I want to give it to is Myla of Denmark, because I asked you. He plays for Atalanta, and I know you are a big Syria, a big oh, I'm sorry, a big Atalanta stan. Um, they're perhaps your favorite team. Sometimes it sounds like. Oh my god! No. And so, <laughs> um, I was cl- clarifying whether he plays at, at as a right back, and you said he does play on both sides. However, right. during this tournament, he played, I think, almost exclusively on the left as a left wing back. Manny, so, is it? Is it fair to 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 have Mela on the right back, or should we just stick with our guts and just choose an actual right back? So I also had the same question, and I went with uh, Mela there because only because at uh, left back I have one Spinazzola. Oh, we, so, we, we, we need to get there first. Don't don't jump oh, the gun. I, I Let's know, still I'm talk sorry. about right I'm back. I'm sorry, but for me, I just um, if, if that were the case, if we're gonna stick to rules or rules, um, I think it's a fair shout what what Justin is saying because. I went off of uh, where they where that player played the most in during the tournament. Right. So during the tournament, like I said, I, I don't think Myla did play on the right. During the yeah, I think he right? played on the left. He played on the left, but for 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 Atlanta, he he was playing on the right. Okay. I think I know where this is going, because if the answer is we can, Myla is okay to Let's lock him right Let's back. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do He's it. He's my right Let's back. Do it. However, I will. I want to because I do not. I want to give the shout out if it was. 
if the case was like he had to play right. where he was from, I would put Myla as my left back, and I would put Kyle Walker as my right back. Oh, right. Kyle Walker I, over De Lorenzo. Kyle Walker I, over Denzel Dumfries. One of uh, oh. that's a good shout also, but I I, I one of the, I want one of the English defenders to be in this back line because someone on that squad deserves a shout out. I, I thought the wingbacks, particularly for England, they weren't um, obviously didn't contribute much forward going forward because there wasn't much to contribute to for England but their defensive record and just like their impact on the field uh on both left and wing back left and right back I thought was very impressive actually uh, Manny I'm, is, gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Myla on my right back Manny has actually convinced me I think the I think Dumfries has to be the right back I think Dumfries <laughs> has to be that's right that's okay. right if we're fo- okay actually so I take that back if we're following the rules Dumfries has to be if we're not following the rules then Myla. it's a very tight one then then Myla yeah so but, they have to have played there during the tournament we're saying no no let's let's have two 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 rules so we're doing one for have played there and have not played there for this <laughs> position so we're gonna have two not. two starting 11s now. all right let's leave it as Myla but but hey shout out to Dumfries Dumfries did really yeah tournament let's move on to left back i think this is where we all actually have three different well okay assuming we're following the rules <laughs> okay. okay all right if we're following the rules we have three different left backs if we weren't following the rules then we i think we have two different left backs um so but i would say that i think this was the best tournament for left back i think the position that really had too many good stars for for like a better terms was was um was in the left back so um i'm gonna start with you manny um because you already dropped the gun uh spinzola is yours definitely spinzola um he won my heart he uh he definitely played i mean you could see we were talking about how italy was probably the only nation that played like a club but you could see there was a drop in quality in the way that italy played once Pinazzola um, was injured. Um, and Emerson Palmieri, Chelsea product, a.k.a. two-time double European champion, I'm looking at you, Bori, uh, had to come in. And I- I'll say he didn't do a bad job considering that he literally had, um, I'd say, less than 200 minutes for Chelsea in the entire season. Like, it's something insane. Like, he didn't really play much for club, but he played decently enough for Italy to get the job done. But Spinazzola was on a tear um, until he tore his Achilles. And so for that reason, uh, I have him as my left back. All right. Well, Justin, I think it's the ball is in your court now. Now, I just had second thoughts because shit. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, part of my language. Um, I want to get an English, English, an English player into this back line. This ain't it, Justin. This ain't I it. Want, Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw had a great. Luke Shaw had a great tournament. Luke Shaw was very good, and he. What would Mar- great... What would Mourinho say? Justin? <laughs> <laughs> That's not fit for broadcast. We know what Mourinho would say. Um, and also, yeah, credit to like I mean, Luke Shaw has built his career back up after the in the aftermath of the atomic bomb, which was Mourinho as Man United manager, and now he's like a key member of this uh, national squad and his club side. 
So I, I am a kind of a big Luke Shaw fan for the way he's been able to rebuild his career and how like impressive and influential I think he was. However, now, you know, I totally forgot about one name. And that's someone from the other Manchester club, Alexander Zinchenko, who had a really good tournament. He did, but he didn't play a left back, so are we... Well, I mean, he kind of... What are you going to say? He's like a left midfielder. He was midfielder playing, for... like, yeah, he was playing in, in there, like, for for uh, for Shevchenko... Uh, sorry, for, well, Shevchenko in Ukraine. It seemed like he was playing in the midfield. On the, he was on like the an attacking, like a left, yeah. left mid. Okay. I'm gonna, like a six That's true. That's, but no, that's no, no, no. I'm going to take it, though. You keep Shaw. I'm going to keep Shaw, then. Yeah, I'll okay. keep Shaw. Though I want to just shout out Sanchenko because he's not going to get in anywhere else in this in this uh, starting eleven. Right, right. I think it has to be Spinazzola, unfortunately. However, if we were doing if we were doing um, uh, the right way, I would go for Myla. So that said, Spinazzola is, is what I go for right now. Um, yeah. let, Myla's already in it, so yeah, Spinazzola done. So our back line then is from left to right: Spinazzola, Banucci, Kair, and Myla. Right. Okay, cool. All right, let's all move on to the midfield. I think uh, we'll probably have a, a few more fights here, but uh, let's first talk about... I mean, I, I think we can just kind of distribute here. Uh, I'll start with one person that I thought was a standout in the in the tournament, and that's uh, Hoybier. Uh, I think he was a very solid midfielder for Denmark, and actually, when you look at the amount of work rates, the work rate he did, and then... The tackles he did actually, I think he had also uh, some of the best, uh, uh, you know, interception and recovery. I mean, when it comes to recoveries, he has the highest with 51 recoveries in the tournament. And when it comes to interceptions, um, I believe he doesn't do as well there, but uh, but he he's uh, he's on the list somewhere. Uh, but I think for me, what at least one thing I, I do remember from watching Denmark and I I just watch him a lot was he just seemed to be everywhere. And was a uh, essentially like a contact for the team. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I also have Hoiberg. And to your point, like so, just looking at some statistics, he had most recoveries in the tournament, uh, contributing to like you know speaking towards the way he was just like running back, always coming back to do his defensive duties. But he was also impressive going forward, right? He had three assists. Um, he carried the ball. He was good on dribbling, which I didn't really know right. he was. That was one of his talents, but he he was good off the dribble, um, created 36 opportunities, I think, from his play. He, he was just, yeah, like you said, Bart, he, he was just all over the field. So I also have him locked in into my midfield. Manny, your thoughts about... Sh- shaking his head. So three I, I three assists. You can't you I, can't I, choose Jorginho three times for the midfield. Right, exactly. That's true. See, this is why I had to go with this choice um, because of that. Um I guess in trying to fit in with your, with so, your so let's, team. So let's do a defensive midfield. So, so let, I, I think we're going to end up with two defensive midfielders. So so I in, in trying to stick with your theme, Justin, of, of getting at least one Englishman on this squad and, and seeing as they only conceded, uh, you know, two goals, uh, I'm going to go with Calvin Phillips, actually, because Calvin Phillips, to me, should if I'm Southgate, he was the only – mid holding mid that I would have put on that team that I would have put out there. I wouldn't even have brought on Henderson nor Rice. I would have just kept them on the bench because 
I felt Calvin Phillips could have done the job that both of those players were doing and some. Um, I went with him because in the first game, he actually got an assist. If you guys remember, um, he actually assisted. But the way that this player has transformed, um, and I've seen him at Leeds a few times, but the fact that he's becoming a more complete box-to-box um, player, um, he was you know, pretty much clearing everything that the defense couldn't uh, when England was playing. And um, he was also the second player who covered the most ground uh, during the entire Euros. Um, so for that reason, I went with Calvin Phillips. Wait, who was the other? You said the second person? Or the yeah. first? Oh, the first is my next name when we get to the next position. I mean, we're oh, going to have a consensus, my- I think. Unfortunately, I, I hate to say it. I mean, so, like, we have to have, like, you know, we have to be optimally, like, I, I kind of hear what Manny's saying. Optimally, I would honestly have, like, three players who I think you know, they mostly operate as holding midfielders. Um, and I would include Calvin Phillips. But since we want to have kind of a realistic starting 11 here, I think we need to have an attacking midfielder. So, right. for me, that that means um, Kevin, uh, Phillips has to be dropped so that we can have uh, Hoybjerg and then uh, the name that is coming up next. Let's talk about Jorginho. So the only thing that I see here that Jorginho has, and actually, I, I know you're talking about uh, distance covered here. Actually, I, I think if you look at average distance covered, because obviously he's going to have more distance covered because he played more games. But if you look at average distance covered, I think Myla actually has the highest. Oh, actually, no, sorry. Zinchenko has the highest of average distance covered. Yeah, but you but if we're going to make that argument, then you could argue it's even more impressive for Jorginho because speed <laughs> is not one of God. his strong suits. Right? Every every statistic can be twisted by Manny to be actually it's more impressive right. actually exactly. Jorginho. And sorry, I'm very wrong. There are many people that have more distance, average distances than Jorginho, like freaking. Immobile uh, had more distance tra- traveled. Immobile. Like, but no, no, I, I mean, I think, so here, here's my stance with Jorginho. I think Jorginho obviously did, did well. I'm not going to lie. I mean, he won the thing. But I also think we have to talk about Verratti. Verratti also had a, a solid tournament. Or am I lying here? No, yeah, you're Annie, not. It's, it's you I'm talking to. No, 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 you're not lying. But ask yourself this. Who, when, when... A player gets spoken of so highly in different systems, and the one constant is Jorginho. And I'm talking about world-class coaches, right? Maybe Frank Lampard not included, but the likes of Mancini, the likes of Sarri, the likes of Tuchel. Those are three different systems that are operating, and they've all expressed how important Jorginho is. And we spoke about this when the game was happening. Jorginho is like that metronome in the midfield. He ups the tempo. He keeps the ball moving. He creates plays. He's this. Well, I get what you're trying to say, Bori, but the stats, uh, the reason why I'm going with him is because everything that I said about this guy, that he's too slow, that he doesn't have the right pass, that he doesn't pick up the this or that, it takes a player of like a very high IQ and he has that calmness under pressure to play the way that they do. You can't have, you can't play the way that Italy do if you don't have a player with his specific skill set playing at the base as like an anchor 
as an outlet to get the ball moving in transition. And Italy, that's their gameplay. When we're talking about Italy and how much we we compare them to a club team, club teams don't play, you know, clearing out the ball, long balls. They play playing out the back. Jorginho right. is that outlet, whether he touches the ball or not, he's always in a position to either receive the ball or make the ball go elsewhere. He dictates where the movement of the ball is. And for that reason, that's why I went with Jorginho. Yep. Hey, you know what? I will agree with you only because only because he won the the tournament. Let's move on <laughs> to so now we have uh so we're dropping Calvin Phillips. I think we sh- I think yeah. I think we should first then, off the bench. Well, yeah, first off the bench. Now let's go for an attacking midfielder. And you know this is where I'm going to say something that really is sounds crazy, right, to everyone okay. here. Um, the person I have in mind is, get this, Pedri. Pedri uh, was absolutely phenomenal in this tournament. Um, had the second, uh, the third highest um, uh, most chances created. Uh, and by the way, we forgot about Jordi Alba. Alba. Um, he had zero assists though, so maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'll go back on my uh, thing. Um, but I, I just wanted to call out Pedri. That's all. Um, no, you're right. Well, or, yeah, whatever, whatever. That's if you think that's crazy, then whatever you were smoking, you you passed it to Manny and me because I think we both have Pedri also. Oh wait, really? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, I have Pedri. Yeah. Manny, do you have Pedri also? I have Pedri. Um, and also let's not forget he had a an amazing goal. He scored a goal as well, Bori. Uh, let's not forget. Right, right. Which goal you're gonna go there? Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, Let's not forget, unintentional, nonetheless, <laughs> still a goal. So, um, no, but the reason why I bring that up also is because, uh, speaking back to just players' ages and the experience that it comes with and being in, you know, just the limelight, he could have shut down after that quote-unquote error of an own goal. And he could have just, you know, been a, a shadow of himself. Um, but psychologically, he got over it, and he played extremely well um, in every game. I mean, this guy works hard on the ball, off the ball. Um, Barcelona's got a real gem. Right. Yeah. Um, you know who had the highest number of chances chances created? Verratti. Just wanted to just want to call that out there. I'm not saying that we should choose Verratti in the midfield. I'm just saying Verratti was a beast in in this tournament. Uh, so with Tristan Pedri, we go to the four, front three. I think let's start start with the number nine. I think this is probably the easier one to to get out of the way. Um, is there anyone else apart from Ronaldo? That one was sick. Okay. What about as a striker? Yeah. I have Lukaku. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think I think Schick is probably a better. Um, yeah, I I agree. I, I Schick is a good compromise pick he had a very impressive tournament but right. uh, for me i mean lukaku just influenced the field like the way lukaku just influences the game and like how defense is just no matter who the defender is just struggle to contain him and need to like gang up on him in order to like have any hope of stopping the way he can like receive the ball with his back to the goal uh he's always very impressive to me but i i i agree Shik is a really good compromise pick he had a great a great tournament Right, right. Uh, no hurricane. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, I actually right. read an article today that had Harry Kane, in, like it had like a best eleven in preparation for this episode, and Harry Kane was their like pick for striker. I won't call him out. I can't because I mean, it's shocking to me. He had a he had an okay tournament. Didn't score until the quarterfinals or something like that. So, but he yeah it was okay. All right. So who are picking on the left and right? Um, let's start with the left side. Uh, who do we have in mind here? Right. So, so are we go going? So this is one of those where I, I obviously um, I went with. Because of course, if we're playing, are we doing like the rules thing? Because I was trying to fit in. Let's let's see, let's hear what you have, and then we can talk about well, the rules. <laughs> yeah, we'll render judgment. Yeah, so I went actually with like CR7. I went with Ronaldo, but he really he's more. But th- but right. But this was before we had the conversation previously with like the right back, the left back, and all yeah, that. I mean, but so when CR7 doesn't really. He, does he play on the left he wing really that often? Well, no, no. That, that's, at this point that's, in his career. Well, the, for Portugal, the Portu- he played. I mean, he was hovering around for, the ten position, and then like he was, exactly he was switching like, and false. It's like a false nine, false ten, everything, false everything. For yeah. So, him. so here's the thing. I went with him because, um, obviously, uh, the golden boot went to him. Scored the most goals. Well, didn't Schick have the most goals too? Or somebody had five goals too, right? Uh, yeah, I think he tied it, but I think they ended up going with him because he had. Schick. No, no, I think they went with Ronaldo because. No, no, ended... no I'm no. saying Schick was also number f- five goals. Is what I'm trying. No, to... no, yeah, right. But I think like the tiebreaker then comes down to like uh, assist or uh, like goals per minute or something like that. Probably, yeah. Um. But I went with him because in the game um, against uh, Belgium, um, and when they were seemingly like down, and Fernando Santos came to his senses and finally played uh, the likes of like uh, Jao Felix, for example, and some of the um, but- huh. Had a bad tournament, but going. No, he had a bad tournament, but that's because he had like very limited minutes. Um, also, and when Diago Jota was like in the first two games, like there, he was playing more of like a center forward position than uh Ronaldo was. Like, Ronaldo was still coming deep on like the left wing, so that's why I went right with. But I don't know, you guys tell me if I'm out of bounds here. I'm happy to change. Well, my I, I, here's here's the one thing I wanted to mention is we're, we've not talked about Kiesa yet. Um, and, and Kiesa has to be on this team. Yeah. Agreed. So so now we have Sheik. I think Sheik to be should be here because I think Sheik is more impressive because he played for a lesser team than Ronaldo did, you know, comparably. Agreed. But I think we can all agree that Kiesa needs to be on this team, whether left or right. That's the beauty of 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 uh, Kiesa. He can play left or right. Now the question is the last position. Um, and is that last position a Ronaldo position? I. Well, I would no, think because of number of just, goals, I think we have to put him there. Okay, so like this is like since we've kind of said what we've said, let's just choose the two best wingers, right? Let's just choose two wingers who are most impressive. Um, so it sounds well, like we we think we we think Chiesa has to be one of them, right? Yeah, I agree. So then let's say CR7 
who else would could be competitive with him in terms of the other wing then? I have a couple of names. All right. Well, why don't you shout those names? Raheem okay. Sterling? Uh, Mr. Raheem Sterling, yes. <laughs> Late addition mean, to my list. That, let's, statistically, let's be real here. Statistically, yeah. yeah he, he was, uh, you know, for as uninventive and laborious as England was offensively, you know, um, Sterling had what? What do you have? Three goals. Right. He had three goals and at least one assist to go along with those. Right. So is the assist is the assist the dive? Uh, uh, I don't know yeah, if you counted that. Probably. If you... <laughs> oh God. Uh, I can't remember if he had an actual clean assist, but maybe it is the dive. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if they count that. I don't think they count. They, they count that for like fantasy purposes, but I don't think they do. I don't think. Do they count that as a dive? Yeah, I mean, a, 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 we shouldn't say a dive. A, uh, <laughs> a technical to a penalty. Technical fault. They they do. I I believe they do count him as an assist. They do count that as an assist. So that's why I was uh, I brought that up. He has an assist. So three goals, one assist. Um, like I said, I want to get. I don't think it's fair to not have an English player in this side and we don't have one as of yet so i'm gonna put sterling's name out there i also had yarmolenko actually old man yarmolenko okay. was very impressive as well right well he was impressive in the group stage and then he just fell through no he had a great assist also in in the knockout rounds um and then he kind of lost he he ran out of gas he was running on empty when we saw him versus england obviously you i have a different name and you guys will probably say these are my blue tinted glasses that i'm saying this name with but I actually had Kai Havertz on oh my here. God. No, no, no. Hear me out. I had Kai Havertz on here because not only did he score an assist, but he could have had two assists if Timo Werner and Thomas Mueller could actually hit the back of the net. Okay. And it's one thing when you when you actually go back and you see, you know, we saw Germany. This is probably like one of the worst. Uh, German teams or German performances in a tournament in a long time. Um, but the fact that he was the only one that was creating those chances, um, that's why I went with him. And you guys laugh, but imagine if those two chances are converted. No. Completely I, I, different I, I tournament, disagree. So. Yeah, but, but this is not a, this oh. is not our like fantasy make-believe world best 11. <laughs> <laughs> this is what actually happened. Uh, <laughs> if that was the case, then obviously Saka would be my choice for winger because if Chiellini <laughs> hadn't grabbed his shirt, then he would have scored the winning goal of the tournament. Oh, uh, man. Um, I think we forgot about Robin Gosens for left back also and, and Jordi Alba for left back, but we'll save that for another podcast. For another I think we year. should just, I think at this point, we should just say um, any past, present, or future Atalanta players should make this. Start, like team of the tournament 11 because let's be honest there was a seemingly there's at least one atalanta player that you could argue at any of these positions that were in the euro so right um one, one thing real quick before we go uh and in this um are we, are we not giving this to any Fr- french player i've noticed we've not even talked about one french player in this first 11 the I only one you go ahead go ahead manny I was going to say the only one that I would consider would be Pogba. Yep. You took the words out of my mouth. I was considering Pogba as well. But the mid, the 30, the, like working with three central midfielders, it's like 
we've already had to drop Calvin Phillips, who had a great tournament. So it, it, Pogba getting eliminated so early, France getting eliminated so early, All right. kind of made it so, hard to pick Pogba. Sounds like we we have to go with Ronaldo then. I think it's a Ronaldo Chiesa and <sighs> fine. All right. Well, there we go. Um, I think we, we read have... it off. Sure. You. Yeah. All right. Starting from the back, goalie. Uh, Bora, you can say this name. He's no. AC Milan legend. Donnarumma. Go ahead. <laughs> Left back, Spinazzola from Italy, uh, paired with another countryman, Banucci, as one of the center backs. Kair from Denmark as the other center back. Myla from Denmark, also uh, at right back. Hoisberg uh, from Denmark again as our defensive midfielder. Jorginho from Italy as our central midfielder. Pedri, the kid, the crazy pick, as our attacking midfielder. And then our two wingers are Chiesa and Ronaldo and Schick, who also had gold the tournament as our striker. Right. And what a way to score the goal of the tournament. Um, all right, let's move on to – I think this, we'll try to go through this quickly. Uh, I think we, we have a few criteria that we want to talk about. So goal of the tournament is the first one. I think we're all in agreement that Sheik is the goal of the tournament. I think let's just move on from there because uh, we don't need to talk about that. Now, let's talk about the biggest surprise, uh, the team that impressed us the most. Uh, I have down here that it is Denmark. Um, and the only reason why I put Denmark, initially I was not going to put them, but because after Eriksen left, they still got to the semifinals. And that's why I put them there. But I want to talk to you, uh, Justin, for what's your reason for picking Switzerland. Switzerland, I, as I mentioned, I, I, they were a team that just never stopped fighting. Denmark, obviously, extremely impressive, especially considering what happened to them early in the tournament um, with Christian Eriksen. But we had the, – the reason why I didn't pick Denmark was because we had already pre-selected them as our dark horse candidates before the tournament began. And they basically lived up to expectations, and you could say it was impressive because they lost Eriksen. They had to deal with all that um, and still were able to be impressive and – we're one dive away, perhaps, from making the final uh, when they played England. But for me, Switzerland, it's just because I don't think anybody had, you know, high hopes for Switzerland. They don't. There's a, it's a team that doesn't have like a superstar really a, a anywhere in the field. But they had a group of players who all worked very cohesively together and had some impressive wins along the way and took Spain to penalties as well after beating France. So. Um, for me, that Switzerland had the most impressive tournament and were the biggest surprise. Right, makes sense. I think I think that makes sense. Now let's move on to biggest flop. Um, I actually initially was going to put Turkey, but I went with Poland uh, just because I thought they could have done better. And uh, and it's really a, a the flop for me here is really towards Lewandowski. I think he should have done more for his team. Let's talk about your pick, Manny. You picked France for what reason? France. So France was, we talked about odds and who the favorites were when we kicked off the uh, preview for the Euros. And France was actually the second team. England was first. And France, you could have argued, was the favorite based on the fact that they finally had integrated longtime exiled Frenchmen. Kareem Benzema, who was coming off of, a, would say, one of the best campaigns that he's had in his professional career for Real Madrid. 
seemingly the only Real Madrid player to score goals during the entire season. Um, and the fact that Deschamps went ahead and trusted him to start every game um, with the lineup that they had, we talked about it, they were one of the deepest squads in this tournament. Um, and as each game started, they were playing. They were obviously in the group of death. They ended up doing well. Um, but to lose to Switzerland, based on everything that Justin just said, to lose to them with the players that they had, you know, I think this, again, can go down to um, the importance of, and I mentioned it, and you guys laughed at me, team chemistry. If it ain't broke, that's it. Like, that, if it ain't broke, don't don't mess with it, Deshaun. <laughs> we can say that's about England. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, well, that's different. Everything's yeah. broken on that team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's actually just quickly talk about the king of kings of Qatar real quick. Uh, who is most likely to win the World Cup next uh, next next year? I mean, it's really close. Oh my gosh. Um, I put down here. I think Spain or Argentina can actually do it. Um, anyone else have uh, different thoughts from me? It seems like Manny does have a, a a weird answer here. Oh yeah, Manny, you teased this early in the episode. You got. Uh... I sure did. So. So um, I alluded to this in the beginning, and I said all hope may not be lost for English fans. Um, just a reminder for all out there, in 2016, the Euros, France played at home, and they lost. And what happened a few years later in the World Cup, they ended up winning it. Euro 2020 played in 2021. England is at home, ends up losing the final. World Cup 2022? Question mark. And the reason why I went with that, too, is because the only reason, the only way that they have a chance to win it is if they get rid of Southgate. So well, that was I'm, the first I was I'm, say. I'm counting on this English squad with all the young talent under a coach that actually knows what he's doing. So, all right. Do you have any names point. in mind? Good point. Uh, I have a few, but I think we're going to uh, any just... names that any names that aren't oh. Harry Redknapp. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Lampard. I'm sure. I'm sure Manny's about to say Lampard. Let's bring Roy Hodgson. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, Lampard think, is actually Lampard's an interesting name. I don't. I I think that would be a mistake. I think. I think let's talk about the best own goal. I think this was a tournament that had too many own goals, so we have to talk about this. Pedri's own goal was was funny. I mean, I think it's more of the keeper's fault. It can't be Pedri's fault. Uh, or maybe it might have been the pitch too. I, I don't know, but it was just hilarious from from the original TV angle, just to see Pedri like pass the ball backwards and just see the travel so far into the back of the net was that was it was a work of art. So that was yeah. my pick. Well, nice Simon needs to get his. That was at least that was at least like a thirty yard pass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, it was great. <laughs> Right. I, I, I think Manny and I put down Dubravka for that, whatever that was. It, it was so weird, but it was that ball where like, it went all the way up, and it was like bouncing towards the front of the goal, and then he just like just swat, swatted it in, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was just so confused. Yeah, I so would Dubravka agree. I haven't seen a goal this comical since the, uh, since the Champions League goal against Chelsea 
where the ball bounced off of Keppa's face. I haven't oh, seen right. that because <laughs> yeah, like because yeah. like you didn't expect the ball to do like to do that. You know what I mean? Like everyone's looking at it and you're like, all right, he's because he could have caught the ball too. He <laughs> kind of like right. actually both hands on the ball, but chose to go one hand punch and then <laughs> wrists were weak. Like, I don't even know, but yeah. Um, and ended up five zero. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. Um. I think I think that's all we have for the Euros. Uh. I think we just have to do a brief shout out to the Copa America. I mean, one Lionel Messi has finally, oh my gosh, finally won an international trophy after he won the under twenty when he beat Nigeria and also <sighs> when he uh, played uh, the uh, the Olympics where he won the gold medal. But hey, that doesn't count apparently, and we have to talk about the senior team. And uh, congratulations to Argentina. But, I mean, I have to say, I, I think that game was probably, I think maybe towards the end, the second half was a snooze fest. But we have to give shout out to one player on that Argentina team. And it's not Leon Messi, honestly, in my opinion. I think Emiliano Martinez, what, for me, for me, was a very huge part for Argentina winning this tournament because of the impact he had in the back. I mean, Argentina was so dis- like if you have defenders like Otamendi and Petzela in front of you, and you're still able to to keep clean sheets and also not concede too many goals, that says a lot about you than than defenders, right? Uh, but I, I mean, I, I would assume everyone else. I mean, Mania, do you feel the same way? Like I think I think M- M- Martinez was actually a huge part of this whole thing for for Argentina. Yep. Shout out to. Aston Villa Football Club, who have an amazing keeper. Man, oh, I don't know God. where Martinez has been, what his journey is like, but I'm telling you, that guy's <laughs> not going anywhere hey, anytime Justin, soon. Justin is crying behind his, You can't see it, but Justin is crying right now. It's awful. Martinez used to play for Arsenal, if, you, if you're wondering. I'm I'm happy for him, but it's it's a happy sad. It's one of those, uh, yeah, It's I, I have a smile, but, guys, but I'm weeping you, on the inside. You guys have Bern Leno. You guys have nothing to worry right. about. You guys yeah. are good. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, I, I was I was wondering if, if this was really all Argentina needed was a, was a good keeper because that's been one of their positions that's been questionable in the past. If you guys remember, they, they, they had to resort to like a 36-year-old. Marchesini? Like, no, Willie Caballero. Oh, Caballero too. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, yeah. Backup, backup, uh, Javier Romero, um, oh, who yeah. couldn't even get minutes at Manchester United, and um, the fact that Emmy Martinez comes in and uh, like fits right, you know, right in, and has an amazing tournament, won the Golden Glove as well, a few penalty shootouts under his belt as well. Like, yeah, good for them. All right, I have a quick question to ask you. If you had to choose Donnarumma or Martinez, who are you choosing? Donnarumma. Donnarumma just based on age, yeah, but Martinez is great. How, how old is he's, Martinez? He's probably like 27. I want to say 27, 28. Oh, I see. Yeah, Donnarumma has like two decades left in him. Like if he if he if he plays it right, uh, right, and you you can't you can't. You can't train his physical attributes. The, the guy's just right. a physical specimen. So that, you're assuming that Donnarumma doesn't move to like China because of the money. Because I mean, also I want to, I do want to, I do want to call out one thing though. While you mentioned Donnarumma, Justin, do you remember uh, when we were talking about the Belgium 
Italy game and we said it was going to be a snooze face and it was going to go to PKs. I asked Bori if Donnarumma was any good at PKs and he said, no, he's not good. Right. Well, That's true. That did happen. He, he's not. No, no. I mean, well, for Milan, he's not. That simply, I mean, I've watched I mean, him for, for the past five, six years now. It's just because it he's just stuck in such a, a good penalty shoot, uh, uh, stopper. That's it. He had. He was maybe just stuck on an uninspiring side and he had money on his mind the entire time. <laughs> That's exactly. I mean, his record for for penalty saves is is bad at Milan. He, like, so what what you're saying is he was so unhappy that he couldn't do his job right. I guess so. He so. Had a, I guess you could say that. <laughs> I guess I guess we didn't pay him enough. But hey, good luck to PSG. Good, good luck to PSG. I, I I wish them the best, and and we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, I think that's all we have. I think uh, because of time, we're gonna cut it short here. But you know, thank you so much, Manny and Justin for for. Really recapping this great tournament, I think we have about, what, four weeks left before the Super Cup starts and before all these other leagues start. So uh, we will be we will be on for the next four weeks talking about, you know, the future. We're talking about COVID effects, hopefully. Um, and just talking about the new season, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of, lot of changes, a lot of people, a uh, lot of teams moving around. Rodrigo de Ball has moved to Atletico Madrid, for example, which I'm, I'm very, I mean, Atletico Madrid must be beside themselves right now because that's a good player that they've gotten. He, he was very crucial for Argentina also in the, in the Copa America. But um, I think that's how we're going to leave it. Uh, as usual, hold on, Bori. Us- oh. Hold on, Bori. One more thing. Right. Soccer is coming home. CONCACAF Gold Cup has just kicked off. Oh my God. Uh, Soccer is coming home to the U.S. of A. No Mark way. my words. Yeah. I'm going we'll we'll to cut that out. But hey, thank you, listeners, and and thank you, thank you for listening. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.